Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. This is episode 128 of the show with Zalen Titcom, one of the founders of Five Ultimate, which is the largest ultimate frisbee company in the world and now the founder of Five Bamboo. More about Zalen in a moment. This episode is made possible by wonderful listeners such as yourselves who have pledged money towards the production costs of the show. Um, Andy Marr. Uh, who is the producer of the show now. Andy and I worked on Take 40 Australia for a long time together. Now he's the slicer, dicer, and normalizer of this show. I couldn't be more grateful that that uh, Andy's on board because between uh, my family, radio, and TV, I'm testing the outer limits of my working capacity. Um, don't tell Audrey, but I took Famcyclovir, the cold sore medication, twice in March. Um, that's like the emergency medication you can take in Australia over the counter because uh, I could feel that my body was just going, screw you, buddy, <laughs> it's cold sore time. But bringing somebody on has meant that this show can continue, so that's uh, that's really, really great. I could not do this show without you. It's plain and simple. If you would like to support the show, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Osher, O-S-H-E-R, Patreon.com slash Osher. So thank you to everybody that's supported on the Patreon page. I hope you are enjoying those exclusive episodes. I look forward to fulfilling some more of those uh, rewards uh, throughout the next month or so. I hope all well is with you. I hope all is well with you. Sorry, I've just got a bit of a food coma going on. I had to done a kitchen for lunch. Uh, the new restaurant's in Bondi and it's mind-blowing. Uh, yes, yeah, so I've got a stomach full of Cocoa Whip, which is great. <laughs> anyway, so this week, I've thankfully, uh, I carved time and I pushed time and I bent time and I made time to go to the gym. I really should never underestimate or never forget the power of endorphins in making me feel better. I'm constantly amazed by, I guess you'd call them nothing more, they're the mood-enhancing drugs that are within my body. And I guess it's just all about stimulating my body in a particular way to release those chemicals and enjoy that human high, which is specifically designed for my neurotransmitters and my receptors. It's, it's pretty awesome. So... You know, you can stimulate this stuff through sleep, through workouts, through sex, you know, whatever it, whatever it takes. Find a way consensually to make sure it all happens. Um, but the thing is that it, it does take moving from your shitty feeling self 
and taking action that your shitty feeling self is telling you not to take. So you might be feeling, I don't want to go outside and I do not want to run or I do not want to go for a walk. That's your shitty feeling self trying to protect itself. You go, thanks very much. I appreciate that. And you go for a walk anyway. And you'd be astonished how much better you can feel. Well, I'm just speaking from my experience, but I would say to you that, you know, if you're anything like me, um, once you take responsibility for your own care and your own headspace, um, that self-care and recognizing when you're in down and recognizing, okay, uh, I've got to walk now. I don't feel like it. All I want to do is hide under a blanket, but I've got to walk now. Um, that can be the difference between a ordinary day and a pretty good day. Um, so I've got to say thanks very much to everybody that reached out through the week. Uh, your emails are great. A lot of people have been very, very kind about the episode I did with Will Anderson on philosophy. Thank you very, very much for speaking uh, such kind words. Send Osher email at gmail.com. I read every email. Don't write back to everyone, but I do read everybody. I try to write back to as many people as possible. Send Osher email at gmail.com. You can also find me on Snapchat, Osher Ginsberg. Um, uh, last week, uh, we were talking about Andrew Denton's extraordinary podcast, Better Off Dead. I guess this week, I would say to you, if you are going to listen to anything while you, uh, you're you know, if you want to add one podcast to your podcast queue this week, I would say this particular episode um, by a guy called Barry Katz, K-A-T-Z. His uh, podcast is called Industry Standard. Barry Katz is a massive, massive uh, stand-up comedian uh, agent and manager over in the States. He manages or has managed huge people from uh, Dave Chappelle to um, Wendy Kaling, Mindy Kaling, to, uh, Jay Moore, to uh, Dane Cook, uh, so Chris Rock. He's managed so, so, so many people. But he has this fantastic podcast where he basically speaks with the absolute moguls of the industry, like the heads of networks and the, and the most enormous executive producers behind the biggest TV franchises. It's really kind of nerdy. Uh, but this week, he speaks with a guy by the name of speaks with a guy by the name of Marty Callner. Uh, now, I've had the enormous good fortune to. Uh, know Marty when I was living in the States. Marty is probably one of the most, if not the most successful music and variety television directors of all time. He directed uh, so many George Carlin HBO specials, so many Robin Williams HBO specials, Dane Cook's special in the round, uh, Chris Rock's extraordinary Kill the Messenger where he shot it in three different cities on three different continents but cut between the three in the same joke. Over 40 music videos, including, you know, all the white snake stuff, all the big hair metal stuff, Marty shot all that. We're not going to take it by Twisted Sister, Marty shot all that. The guy is an absolute legend. And um, just listening to him talk about his work ethic and what it takes to be the top of your game for 40 years now, 45 years, and still going and still being the top of your game. It's, it was really inspirational. So when I was listening to the show, I've had the very good fortune to hear a lot of those stories firsthand, but I couldn't be more happy to tell you to go and listen to it so you can have a listen to what Marty has to say because I consider him one of my biggest inspirations and uh, a real mentor to me. So I'm really stoked that you can uh, go have a listen to that. So let me tell you about my guest today. I am very happy to bring you this guy. Zalen Titcomb is one of the founders of Five Ultimate and Five Bamboo, which are both fairly specialized apparel companies. You know, you might not realize this. You, uh, there's a game called Ultimate Frisbee. It's essentially, I guess you call it, it's like rugby league, but with Frisbees. Uh, but Ultimate Frisbee is played worldwide. It's played by more people than rugby and lacrosse combined. All right, so think about that. Think about how many people you think 
play rugby in this in Australia alone and just realize that more people play ultimate frisbee than play rugby which is pretty awesome uh, it's a it's it's a lot of people but it's a very specialized sport it's a very special sport there's a few things about it that I truly love there are no there are no referees all right just wrap your head around that even at the ultimate elite you know world championship level there are no referees each the the the, the teams ref themselves the elite teams, the national teams, every team, co-ed. There's no men's team or women's team. There's a lot about there's a lot about ultimate that's that's really really quite magical. And I had the good fortune to meet Zalen in Amsterdam at the Think Institute of Creative Leadership, where I not only went to school but then worked for a while. Uh, Zalen and I were in class together, and uh, he's a he's a very very special guy. He lives at the moment. He lives in Seattle, Washington. And uh, he works with his four other brothers and sisters. There's five of them, and they've created these companies together. And he talks a lot about that. Oh, and he also tells a time, tells a story about the time that he snuck into North Korea, which is a hell of a tale. So enjoy this conversation. And uh, yeah, this is me and Zalen in an Airbnb somewhere on Halamastrat in the Jordan district of Amsterdam. I hope you enjoy it. Unreal. How's Alan? Very real. How are you, man? Very real. You're very real? <laughs> I'm great. <laughs> yeah. It's a lovely afternoon in Amsterdam. Yes, sir. A little biking. What's it like out there? I've been here working all day. Oh, geez. Uh, pleasant and um, bikeful and full of people smiling and people frustrated looking at maps trying to find their way around the canals. <laughs> Anytime I see someone with a map looking at their canal, oh, which way, which which Hamasstrad are we on? Yeah. I'm like, in your pocket, yep. there's a device that'll tell you exactly where you are. In fact, even talk to you to tell mm-hmm. you where you want to go. Yep. Do you ever? I mean, I have the urge to slow down and see them looking at the map and sort of like, you're here. Where are you trying to get to? Um, but then realize that might not be the best use of my time. Google Maps does yep. exist. Yep. And it's gonna be it's gonna be all right. But you just did the uh, uh, the the. It's quite a, a difficult Amsterdam move, but it's a common Amsterdam move. It's about as common as moving house in Bondi Beach with a shopping trolley, a shopping cart, <laughs> yep. where you put all your shit inside the shopping cart and your mattress on top of it and just roll it down the street. You were doing the old riding my bike, returning a rental bike, holding the other bike in your hand. Yep. Riding two bikes at once. <laughs> and then coming up on somebody who's, you know, taking a selfie in the middle of the street of some obviously awesome canal house and totally unaware and then sort of looks to the side and is like, oh, oh so sorry. <laughs> something, something like that. Um, with Regardless two, of the internationality. Zaylin with two bikes. Well, I'm glad you're here. Um, yeah. You know, A, because, you know, you're an excellent cyclist. B, uh, because you're my friend. And C, because you're also the co-founder of Five Ultimate, which is the largest ultimate apparel company on the planet. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome. Yep. It is ultimate. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I'm interested to talk to you about, you know, a, a, a few things. And I'm, I'm a lot, firstly, I'm glad you could be here. But a lot of people who are listening, this might be the first time they've ever heard of Ultimate when they're yeah. listening to this. And um, the other night when you were talking to us and you said that it's a sport played by more people worldwide than rugby and lacrosse combined, and that kind of blew my mind a bit yeah. because I know how many people play rugby in Australia. It's almost like, well, everyone. Yeah. Um, but it's a sport that's only been around for 40, 40, 50, 40, 60, 
44 years, 1968, 63? Uh, flying discs have been around since Rockwell. But um, the sport. But <laughs> sport itself is, is, was a uh, New England school. Um, just a couple people tossing around, making up a game on their own, and there was a first intercollegiate Gosh, I should know the answer to when exactly it was, but I'm, I don't focus on the past. I focus on the future. <laughs> well, I did, want, I did want to ask you. You say a couple, well, a couple people. There was one person in particular that is of some high notoriety that I'm interested about. What does Joel Silver, the producer of Lethal Weapon, Die Hard, Predator, and even The Matrix have to do with Ultimate? Uh, he's just a diehard, lethal kind of guy, you know? <laughs> he wanted something really ultimate in his life. So he decided he, to pick he, up a Frisbee. He invented and, the sport. Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> there's there. It was a bunch of friends, mm-hmm. and it's like it gets it gets a bad rap sometimes as like a hippie sport, and uh-huh. um, uh, it was in many in many cases it was a counterculture sport when it first started. It was not uh-huh. very popular. It was, you know, played by a few people that knew what it was and passed it on by word of mouth or heck publication or two. But really, way back in the day, it wasn't. It didn't have a lot of momentum. It still started getting. A lot more popular in the 80s, 70s, mm-hmm. 80s, 90s, um, where there were club teams, college teams, high school teams um, all over the country and all over the world actually competing against each other. So, And it's got, it's, the, the gameplay is fairly, it's fairly simple. It's played on a soccer pitch. Um, the end zone, if you're American, or the try line is where you're trying to get the, the frisbee to the disc to. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we're going to make that mistake a couple times. And we are. Let's not, let's not focus on it. Well, no. if they sue us, they sue us. They, yeah. <laughs> no. They're, frisbee disc interchangeable. Yeah, it is uh, a lot like Hoover and Kleenex. It is the name <laughs> of the brand is also the thing, but they have itchy trigger fingers. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like that. You're passing yeah. the frisbee up and down a field and you score when someone catches it in the end zone or over over the try line yeah it's non-contact non-contact which yeah. is fascinating but the most fascinating thing about it is that it's self-refereed yeah self-officiated so there's there are there are no are no refs all the way up to the top the top level world championships finals no referees if i jump up for the disc and you jump up for the disc and we bump each other in a way that you know you had a better chance at it but i knocked it out of the way you call a foul and I maybe in the heat of the moment get really frustrated, be like, "Oh, come on, yeah, okay, yeah, you're right, it's a foul." Just goes back. Um, likewise, all the way down at a club level, at a, like a rec league level, you know, if you can't even afford refs, or you don't want to necessarily. You just have the spirit of the game, as it's sometimes called, governs good sportsmanship, uh, uh, sort of a win-win solution outcome approach to it. But it doesn't mean you can't run your hardest, jump your highest, you know sprint your fastest, throw your furthest um, in, in pursuit of scoring a goal in the end zone. How, how do really heated, um, disputed plays get resolved then? Um, well, uh, if, I guess if you and I were bumping each other a little too much, it would become acknowledged by some other players, and we might, you know, in, in the name of the game progressing without uh, too much animosity, we might switch up marks a little bit so you would guard someone else. Okay. Um, but uh, if if we can't come to an agreement on something, at a certain point it becomes ridiculous to argue it. So you know whether that certain point is ten seconds, twenty seconds, oh. two minutes. You know. So people aren't going to sit there arguing. It was a foul. No, it wasn't. It was a foul. No, yeah. it wasn't. Well, the rest of the team just go, dude. Yeah. Send it back. Redo. Or it wasn't a foul. Or reenact the situation really quickly. But I mean, it was a foul. It wasn't actually is a call. So foul contest. 
mm-hmm. that's a dialogue. Okay. And you can contest the foul, and that has a different outcome than if it's an, un- an uncontested foul. Um, you'd be surprised not that many lawyers play the sport because they can't stand it. <laughs> it's really interesting because so, so many things, you know, people always talk about sport being a metaphor for life and, mm-hmm. you know, put your kids in sport because then they'll know how to lose until the under nine soccer team, everyone gets a trophy, even if they lost, just so the kids don't feel sad. Yep. I don't know how I feel about that. Yep. I mean, that's the curse of uh, overachieving America these days. Right. That's another, that's the, another the idea that in those sports is there's always a higher power you can appeal to mm-hmm. or there's always a higher power you can do things behind the back of. Yes. Or there's always a higher power you can fool. Mm-hmm. So the idea that there is no higher power, the higher power is the collective, even the op- opposition, that's really interesting, mm-hmm. even at the highest level. Yep. It's a, really- a, it's a mindset. Yeah. It is a mindset. Then the game attracts a certain, certain type of person um, and uh, it doesn't doesn't necessarily need... I mean, a lot of people come up to you and they'll say, oh, no, I, I, I can never throw the thing. Like, well, can you run? Have you played soccer before? Have you played any other sport that has some sense of field um, field awareness and team dynamics? Um, it translates pretty easily. And all of a sudden, when you recognize that uh, people want you to play, ultimate players want other ultimate play- other players to come and join the sport because it's that, it's got that inclusive nature for it uh, with it. It's not, it's not, you know fuck yeah, football, I'm going to smash you, get on the line so I can smash you. I mean, I don't, not, I don't have anything specifically against any sport, but there are certain examples of sports. So you, you get more concussions in football than, mm. than, uh, than ultimate. You get more um, jersey pulling in soccer than ultimate. There's a, couple, there's a bunch of different things that, that people choose to identify as negative with other sports that you kind of don't get with ultimate. So it gets all of a sudden, as soon as you hear that, you're like, oh, why isn't my kid playing Frisbee? Huh. You know, um, it's making its making its way into the school systems. It's making its way uh, onto TV slowly but surely. There's some pro leagues out there, um, which are separate from the the national governing body national championships in the states. But uh, it's attracting media attention. It's getting yeah. uh, getting sponsors. Um, when uh, when none of this was the case, when my siblings and I first decided that we wanted to jump into this little adventure that we'll we get, call, we will <laughs> get to that. Sorry, we will we will get we will get to that. I just I just kind of want to talk about the sport just a little bit more. Yeah, sure. Uh, it, it seems to me that you know so certainly in Australia, uh, certainly with cricket, um, there's a long history of of sledging, and and saying things to put someone off their game as a part of of the game it's it's, mm-hmm. it's dirty and sometimes i say very very horrible things to each other uh, and it's the same in in australian rules and the same in rugby league and as we've seen quite often in in soccer and football in the world cup people say things to each other that, you know is there much verbalizing on the field uh actually the, the more fun on the field not so much for sure but the more fun and sometimes um uh, well Heckling is that what isn't just naturally called. There's plenty of other different words for it, but it's, mm-hmm. um, it's you can just grab a beer and sit on the sideline and just heckle a game if you want. All right, I'm talking yeah. about in between the players, yeah. like when it, you're marking. Yeah, no, not so much. No, you you could tease, you can tease the other team if you want, but it's all. I mean, the nature of the sport is it's just good. It, it trends to be good people. Yeah. So um, if someone's going to say something, it's going to be to tease you the way a sibling would tease another sibling. You know, at over Thanksgiving dinner. Um, yeah, you know, in your forties or fifties or something like that. Remember that time you used to pick your nose? Got it. You know, whatever it might be. <laughs> you know? it's, I think it's also interesting that even at the highest levels, there's co-ed teams. That, oh yeah, that play. Yeah, that's one of the really unique things about it. I mean, especially um, as the Olympic Committee is reviewing the sport, 
they're trying to figure out, okay, what's, what is sport from, you know, thousands of years ago to till thousands of years in the future. And, and ultimate is one of the, one of the sports there's, there's others out there as well, but it's one of the sports that has men and women playing on the field at the same time on the same team at the world championship, the highest level of the game. It's uh, it's in the world games. Um, it's recognized recently by the Olympics, which, which kind of says something. There's yeah. a lot of other sports out there. They're team sports, highest level. Most of them, you know, you get a lot more pull on just the single gender stuff in leagues. There's not, there's not really any other, and there's, I guess, doubles tennis, but yeah. even in the tennis world, that's not, doesn't, we all go to sleep start. during the doubles tennis, yeah. Australia, Wimbledon, it's not overnight, yeah. the US Open, it's not overnight. We all, we all take the doubles off yep. usually. Yep. Because you just can't do five Catch days. Catch a nap in a, to keep the rest. You can't of do mind. five days in a row, man. You can't mix doubles. You can't. You can't do five days in a row. So, how old were you when you first uh, caught a frisbee? Well, how old were you when you first threw a frisbee and it went where you wanted it to go? Oh yeah, um, uh, accidentally or on purpose? On purpose. Knows? Yeah, uh, I would say uh, when I was four, four, five, six, uh. something like that. Um, it was the. Uh, my parents growing up didn't have the typical American baseball and mitt in the backyard. Uh, my dad had a frisbee. He had tossed around in college a bit when he was younger in Boston. Um, but uh, it was not just, you know, a one-person sport. When you got a frisbee, you throw it a bunch of, a bunch of people. And uh, as we were growing up, um, I have two younger brothers and two younger sisters. And so starting when we were very young in elementary school and it sort of developed more consistently when we were in middle school. We had a teacher, Mary Lowry, who is a multinational, multi-world championship, multinational championship, frisbee goddess hero. Um, super cool, super, super fun, super engaging. And she just got all these different people around her to play the game. A lot of young people, a lot of kids had a lot of fun. And that's where we, our, our love of the game really blossomed was through her. You come from a big family, so were you able to put a team together fairly quickly? <laughs> yeah, there's been a couple times when we've, uh, you know, don't tell anyone I said this, but <laughs> you they're going to hear it. Yeah, rig, rig the system a little bit, you know, and you have the 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 food drive tournament. It's a hat tournament, and you bring six boxes of food instead of six cans of food. You and your four younger siblings get to play on the same team, even though it's a hat draw tournament which is the most fun thing ever like we have uh, a relationship between us that you know with my eyes closed i can throw it and know that i could have a brother or sister that could catch it or vice versa and so when you put us on a sports team together there's a, a meta level intuition that is um uh, really really fun fun to play fun to watch fun to fun to be a part of i, I, I loved frisbee i always used to say that before, you know other than ultimate I loved it because it was my favorite sport because it wasn't whether you win or lose. It's how good you look trying. <laughs> that was it. All yep. you have to do is catch it. Yep. And that's there, it. There is one, there is one uh, specific move in Ultimate called a greatest. Mm -hmm. And it's called a greatest because it's sort of the greatest thing you could possibly do, which is as you're running towards uh, the, the sideline, the Frisbee's been thrown and it's already clearly going to go out of bounds. But if you leave the ground inbounds, diving out of bounds, catch the Frisbee midair, throw it back over your shoulder, under your leg, around your body, however you can, back into play. Before your body touches Before the ground. Before your body touches the ground and one of your teammates catches it, you just made a greatest. 
<laughs> and that and you, you don't throw your body around like it's out of bounds like you know yeah. you, you, just, you don't it takes a little bit of guts to throw your body around like that you might run into somebody's cooler you might <laughs> you might land on somebody in the sideline you might hit the stands who knows what but uh it's totally worth it when the greatest happens like everybody's like oh my god clear, clear. <laughs> stand up it's like one of those i don't know interceptions in football or yeah uh, the hail mary pass yeah or, bingo yeah yeah that's so, Wow, it is fun, and it's just, it's it's got those great plays like that. When did it look like it was becoming super serious for you? Were other sports on the radar for you? Was like soccer or football or baseball ever like that for you? Well, um, we were a pretty athletic family growing up. Um, winter sports, summer sports, spring and fall sports. Um, Where, which part of America did you grow up in? Uh, mostly Seattle. Uh-huh. But I was half in Seattle and half in Italy. The way my parents lined us up when we were younger, half of every year in each place, huh. um, sort of for a. a an attempt at cultural differences and um, multiple languages and multiple upbringings. What did your parents do? That's like, so that's a bit, it's a hell of a trip to take five kids around. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's not cheap. Four four for a while and then five when five popped out. Um, But yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was fun. My dad was able to work from both places and my mom was, what did they do? Other than being a mom was uh, keeping track of some of her responsibilities in both places. Um, Yeah. 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 my dad is a, is a non-practicing lawyer, lawyer and otherwise a, a businessman and um, was working on the board of our schools for a while and uh-huh. um, doing some of that stuff. Uh, but um, there, isn't, there aren't that many, there definitely were not that many people playing um, Frisbee when we were living in Italy. And it would be, we would be the kind of, the, we're already in a small town, the American family. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been there for a bunch of years. And then on top of that, you know, while everyone else is playing soccer, we're training with Frisbees <laughs> on the soccer pitch, um, whether for it's for a world championship or, or some sort of high-level competition that we're traveling around for. Uh-huh. Um, the level of training is just kind of weird to see. It's like probably a double take for a lot of people. So other sports, like you said, you're athletic, but did you ever compete in other sports? Uh, not at a high level, but huh. we played soccer teams. I mean, my brothers played varsity soccer in high school. What's um, varsity? Varsity would be the top level in a high school team, okay. in a high school league, yeah. So, so the second grade, third grade? So it'd be varsity JV thirds in, in my uh, high school. So right, no, it's we the top level. First, second, third. Okay, so, right. so first. Right, first no, no, soccer. No. I played second soccer. Okay. Um, we played some lacrosse. We played, uh, we skied. We played some tennis, we did cross country, we did climbing. But I'm just, uh, I'm just um, trying to get to like, as far as, you know, what it was and how early it was that you were mm, so dedicated to this sport. Switched. I definitely switched over. We started our team in high school, mm-hmm. my brother and I. So it would have been high school was the, the turning point for me. So as a, a, whatever, 16, 17 year old was when I realized this is a sport that I want to play um, more than these other sports. And therefore right. I'm going to start the organization at my team. They already had a like a like an intramural or something where, you know, if you didn't want to do any other sport, you could do frisbee. You just went out in the field and threw it around a bit, and the person checked your name off the list, and then you got to go back. This is like PE and school. Yeah, like no. to fulfill your PE requirements. Uh-huh. But um, it uh, it became a lot more than that when we realized there was two of us that had passion and a bunch more around us that um, were attracted to that. So we put a team together, and eventually. Um, it was, it was fighting tooth and nail at the beginning with the, uh, uh, the athletic director. Um, but without making any stereotypes, he was a larger, older football centric male. Uh huh. And, uh, here comes, uh, it sounds like every teen movie <laughs> or a yet to be written teen movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
So um, it was it was really really hard to get get the school to recognize us as like we're actually want to do this really do this and finally one day he came out to ch- to check on the lacrosse team that was playing near us and the varsity lacrosse was packing their packing their gear up and heading in and we were still out there doing sprints for our team and I think that's when he realized that these kids are dedicated and uh-huh. wanted to make something happen and and no uh, there's no mystery to it we were good. Like uh, the two of us, my brother and I together on the team, just being athletes in, in the area, the league wasn't very de- developed. We were New England champions uh-huh. for what it's worth. Um, so that got, I mean, as soon as you're New England champions and you can, you can put that in the like alumni newsletter, yeah. we'll give you a little bit of, you know, we'll let you use the school van to get to tournaments. And so when it came time to go to university, did you select a university that had the best ultimate? Yeah, uh, don't ask that question. <laughs> it's true, right? No, I did not. No? I did not. But um, so many people do. And, uh, and education's education. You're going to learn what you're going to learn when you're in school. And that's a lot has a lot to do with the student uh, than the university for sure. Yeah. Um, I I uh, I went to University of Chicago. So did my brothers. Um, and we studied uh, economics and Italian literature there because we had the Italian background and did international studies as well. But um, the 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 I think it was the only school in my brother's list that was not that did not have a nationals level frisbee program. <laughs> um, there's a couple turn a couple. Um, couple teams that have that have sponsorships for students um to go to school for ultimate ah. in the states that's a thing that's a thing yeah so it's i mean there's, there's an ecosystem it's there it's it's man it's growing a lot these days it get, it's getting a lot more um prevalent in the states for sure yeah um europe a little less because of the lack of the university sports system yeah. it's more of a club sports system um asia is great because it's um uh it's a really cheap sport to play. Mm. Not to not to stereotype at all, but like all you need is a frisbee. You don't need lacrosse yeah. goals and golf clubs and everything like that. So it's a oh my younger brother great... played ice hockey. It's like fourteen hundred bucks or fifteen hundred yep. bucks just it's to not, get on the ice. It's, yeah, it's not yeah. even. It's not just like a hundred dollar pair of Adidas soccer boots. It's yeah. like yep. it's the whole deal. Yeah. And it, and even then, it was second hand and it smelt like someone else's sweat. <laughs> yeah. It was nasty, uh, nasty. Yeah. So it's it and uh, there are there are teams in Australia. Yeah. Um, yep. There's there are uh, there's a national governing body. There's a national national team. There's tournaments. There's leagues. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, AFDA.com in Australia. Bingo. That's Write that one go. down. Yeah. <laughs> AFDA.com in Australia. And uh, if you're in in the states, USAUltimate.org. Mm-hmm. O-R-G. So you are in university. None. It's not the two and two is not coming together at this point. You're just like I love ultimate and I'm studying economics. Mm. Da, 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 da. At what point did you think, you know what, this clothing that I'm wearing on the field always keeps falling over? Or like, what, what was the inspiration to start the company? The tipping point was when uh, my brother, who was still in school at the time. School or university? University, sorry. Okay. Yep, still in university at the time. Really wanted to, really wanted to be uh, an enabler for ultimate players. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, I was living in China at a finance job over there. Um, in Beijing, and he, uh, I don't know, he called me up or sent me an email or something like that. It was one of our Skype conversations. He's like, hey, any chance you can go down to the fabric market and make me a couple hundred jerseys? You know, I want to be able to bring them back here. I want to get them out to people, to these couple teams who are practicing. Um, I don't know. If, don't worry about it if, it's, if it doesn't work, if it doesn't happen. 
Um, and so I was just, you know, as I'd like to do through some numbers together and try and figure out what's the viability of this. How is the shipping going to cost? Like how can we get these back? How does customs work? All this stuff. And so that was sort of, sort of the just, you know, you see the light at the end of the tunnel and then the train starts accelerating and, um, all of a sudden he's over in China with me investigating, um, new suppliers, investigating new manufacturers, really learning the ins and outs of, of you know, fully vertical supply chain, fiber, fabric, dye, dying facilities. Um, uh, we knew from the start that ultimate Frisbee players were not going to be, uh, you don't pull some, you don't pull one over on them. You got to be pretty, uh, ethical and aware of how your supply chain works. Uh -huh. Um, so we've gone through, uh, gone through a lot of different suppliers um, to try and figure out the best people to work with over there. And we own all, all each different level of the supply chain. We're in charge of what's in our hands. Um, so we don't let, we don't let anything up to chance that it might accidentally have been produced by someone younger or might have accidentally had dye dumped in the river after it was done being made. And um, cause that stuff happens. We all know it happens. You can see it on documentaries and stuff like that. So it was a struggle at the beginning. Let me just, there's two things you dropped in there that I'm, I'm interested in. So you're one of five yeah. children and it sounds like your family's pretty close. If you travel around an enormous amount that you do and you're used to being in each other's pockets. Mm -hmm. And then you said you took a job in China. Yeah. What was that like deciding, okay, everyone who's in my life all the time, every day, I'm going to go to a country that's far, far away. Um, um, I don't typically do things the normal way. I like to do things a little bit different. And so China seemed like a, an interesting and welcoming adventure, a challenge. And I mean, it was, it was, I don't want to say it was before it was on the news, but when I was over there, it was before it was on the cover of Time magazine as the sleeping dragon that's going to conquer the U.S. economy or anything like that. And I'm by no way I'm saying that I was the first one to discover China for sure, but um, yeah, having, Marco Polo, then yeah, you, yeah, 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 that's pretty much it. Yeah, they hadn't seen another white face since nope. I pulled in. Yeah, um, so uh, it, the of course the interaction between foreigners and China has, has evolved a lot over the years, but um, uh, getting over there at that time was really special because I was there from 2003, late 2003 till 2010 or 11. Um, and it's sort of been going back since then. Well, you're like 22 when you go there? Yeah, 21. Boy, what was that like? Um, hell of a lot of fun. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's uh, just an adventure to learn the language, meet new people and all that kind of stuff, no matter what. But also to be, to have it be really easy to sort of, uh, it's such a big country. There's so many different people there. Just such an adventure to really get out and, you know, it's not easy, but it's also not hard, especially the purchasing power of a dollar. I had, I mean, I, I had a Chinese, I was working for a Chinese finance company, which is a finance company, but it's still a Chinese finance company. So, you know, the salary, the salary was nothing to write home about and certainly not saving any money. Mm -hmm. Um, but being able to gorge on a big bowl of noodles for under a buck, um, you can imagine the rest of what you could do with a dollar 50. Um, all of a sudden, you know, it lets a creative mind kind of go crazy. 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. How many uh, discs did you take over there with you? Uh, a handful. Yeah. Six or seven, probably, and they lasted a couple of weeks before I'd given them all away. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there was a, there was a small community that was playing there. I mean, I don't want to say small. The the local Chinese community hadn't hadn't been very well developed. Um, ultimate community. Ultimate. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, the Chinese community. Yeah, they're just. A did small you what? Did you like hunt them down? Did you know about them before you got there? Uh, there was one. There was one guy who'd figured it out online, and it, he had been um, playing ultimate in his own way for a good. I think year and a half before mm-hmm. he reached out to us or we discovered it. I forget how it happened originally, but then we were like, holy crap, the Chinese, the Tianjin Sports University has an ultimate Frisbee team. And we're like, well, I'll blow your mind. Yeah. Never would have thought of it because it was kind of mostly us, us foreigners and maybe some American born Chinese. Yeah. Um, but it didn't get much further than that. Uh, there's not a very huge um, sort of culture of team sports and recreational time um, in, yeah. in the school system over there. There's not a lot of space in the big cities. There's fields, but not a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, heck, when we practice in Beijing, we had to pay for fields. There's no just, like, park on the corner. Just a very different landscape. Um, but when we found out there was a local team, all of a sudden we, okay, this is a challenge. This is yeah. going to be fun. Um, Tianjin Speed was their name. And yeah. they they had come up with, like, it's like they had seen two of the seven YouTube videos uh, on how to play the sport, and the two they saw were run really fast and don't hold on to the disc. And so they had a, they had developed their own strategy that was completely different than anything we played. And so we play them, and like these guys, they're just like rapscallions. They don't really know the rules practically, but they're still putting up you know seven or eight to R thirteen, which is which is awesome at yeah. one on one side, but also like holy crap! Imagine if we refined some of these things and got them got them going so we did some trainings there we did trainings at a military uh, like a military academy we did trainings in high school um sort of trying to spread the sport around it's not naturally um it's not naturally uh obvious uh how to translate some of the words in english into chinese but um the lexicon eventually sort of developed out so that now uh, people play both in english and chinese uh uh-huh. And there was some attraction of the Chinese players to come play with us too, because they could practice their English. Uh-huh. Yep. And which was, you know, why pay ten bucks an hour for English tutoring when you can pay to make jokes about, you know, somebody's crappy throw on the sideline. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was a good one. The other thing that uh, you just mentioned there that. You know, if anyone listening right now looks at the label of any piece of clothing they're wearing, if you're wearing a shirt, T-shirt, jeans and socks, part of it's going to be made in China, mm. without a doubt, yep. unless you're some super conscious purchasing ninja. Mm. You mentioned the garment district. Yep. Can you describe it? 
Oh boy. It's, I, I think I described it once as the dragon's lair. Um, it's, what the cartoon game where you used to put a dollar in and then lose within three seconds and you were Dirk, uh, Dirk Daring? Never mind. I, d- I don't know that one. But, but, I'm old, don't worry. But, but the Dragon's Lair, just a, a mess of, of haggling and, and this, that, and the other and cutting corners on quality. And, and it's kind of a, a, a very, it's scary. I'll be honest. It just it's goes scary. for miles in every direction? Uh, there, there are places that it goes for miles in, in every direction, yeah. And it's not, and when you say the garment district, we're talking dye houses, we're talking trim, buttons, zippers, fabric, um, you know, faux fur, whatever, whatever you think you could put into clothing or, or some sort of accessory, uh-huh. bags, leather, got everything. Um, all the machines to support the construction of the products. Um, and... It's not that everyone knows everybody, but everyone knows someone, and it's all interconnected. And you walk in as a as a white guy, like that's pretty pretty damn daunting because they know all of a sudden, like, oh, Mister Deep Pockets, quick, change the prices to double, <laughs> you know that kind of thing. But you know, from from just being smart about it and walking down the street and asking the right questions, we eventually figured out how how things actually work and found the right people who were interested in win win relationships. Um, plenty of places where someone can you know just just cut a corner here and that can ruin your whole your whole product whether it's you know the dye bleeds or the button breaks or whatever you know that's worth worth nothing if it doesn't perform at the highest level for the customer so and what's it like when you go and inspect the places where the things are sewed together uh, well we've been working with the same company for now almost the whole time we've been doing this yeah we shopped around um, dozens of factories Um, so we we do our manufacturing up in Beijing Mm -hmm. um and that's not a typical place to do most most of the um, jerseys.com resellers they're just mega factories down in the south with hardly any care for the environment hardly any I've seen some of those for sure um, it's very difficult to 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 see that and know that people don't really know that that's going on whereas our I I like to call ours a, a mom and pop factory to be honest mm-hmm. it's small I know everybody there um, we don't own the factory. It's run, and they have a couple other clients that they do stuff for too. But we're most of their work, and um, I smile on people's faces, funny jokes, like you know, people. I teach people English words so so that we can make more funny jokes, and it's it's definitely still. I'm the foreigner, and they're the Chinese. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm one of them. There's definitely none of that. But uh, when it comes time to unload the truck, I'm unloading the truck. Mm-hmm. Um, not just standing back with a clipboard or anything like that. And that's and that's I think. Um, I think what what when I think about it, I, can, I draw lines between that and ultimate frisbee because if you're trying to make something work, everyone participates. If you're trying to have a successful game, everyone works hard, everyone supports teammates and the opponents, um, and the product is excellent. And so when we're there, it's not. It, I mean, it's not. A, I'm paying you for something. It's we're working together on this. So when I listen to radio or watch television, it's it's spoiled for me, and I can never watch it the same. Because I've seen behind the curtain, mm. I know how it's made. Yeah. Is it the same for you when you go to you know discount men's warehouse store and go? I know the factory where this comes from. I know why it's ten bucks. Yeah, I know how this could have been made for this cheap. You know, there might be some mistake in the supply chain that has it needs to move. Someone needs cash out of it. But most of the time, I mean, I used to I used to get teased by my sister a lot that anytime she would get. Um, a new product or um, something in, or if she, you know, got a new ski jacket or something like that, I'd, the first thing I'd do, I'd be like, hey, Rory, I wouldn't even skip her eyes, and I'd go right up and sort of turn the zipper inside out and look at how the stitching was made. 
And she was like, can you just pay attention to me and not the construction of my clothing? You know, <laughs> but you can tell a huge difference between, um, between like a, a, a high quality garment. If you really look under the, under the seams, if that's a thing that's probably been said by someone famous, but you just said it, I've never right. heard it before. <laughs> if you look under the seams, you can see the difference between something that's well-made and something that's not. And it took, uh, it took us a while to get there, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and we're still working on getting better. Now, is there a, is, is there a link and, you know, an arbitrary link even between something that's well, not well made and, uh, working conditions and environmental concerns or do they, do they go hand in hand or is it not really the case? Uh, let's liken it to a fancy bakery versus not a fancy bakery. Mm-hmm. You go into a fancy bakery and you get a really well-made quiche or tart or something like that. Uh, it tastes delicious. Um, it's healthy because it's good ingredients and the counter's clean. Um, and you're pretty sure there's no rodents running around there. At you're pretty sure there's no rodents in your quiche or running around the quiche either. Um, uh, I, I, I don't know what's a crappy bake, bakery look like, but yeah. um, I mean, you're producing a product, you're producing something excellent and mm-hmm. you can't have a messy place where it might get dirty because as soon as something gets dirty and then is cleaned, it's not an excellent product anymore. Mm-hmm. As soon as something is, you know, the stitch goes awry and then you take the stitch out and restitch it again, still got stitch holes in there. Mm-hmm. And the intricacies of the garment industry is not something that I'm claiming to be an expert on for no, sure. I'm just, but, I just, I'm just getting to yeah. the bottom of like, I know that a three pack of t-shirts shouldn't cost six bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Even if like, I don't know if I could ever make a t-shirt, but if I made a t-shirt, it would take me probably, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, maybe more each. Mm-hmm. And that's 45 minutes. And it's a $6 cover price. I mean, that doesn't, yep. I mean, Yep. No. Some some the level the level of, of of complexity of the mechanization of some of these of some of this stuff is pretty amazing. Like when you think about, it's not just uh, your grandmother or grandfather on the sewing machine, sort of like dink, 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 let me fix the hem. Well, that's the photo you always see. Yeah. You always see just these sewing machines until the end of this massive warehouse. Right, and they're fat. They're fast. They're efficient. They're. I mean, some. It's been said that the best people for making clothing in the world are in China because they do so many of them. So quickly, if you, if you want, uh, if you want heart surgery, do you want to do it from someone who is in the Chinese medical system, who has done, who does three or four or five heart surgeries every day? Or do you want to do it with someone who is in a private practice who does one heart surgery a month? Huh. Uh, someone, someone's cut a lot more hearts. They might be pretty good at it. You know, you get to choose how you want to do it. But some people say that the China makes the best clothing. Um, and there's even companies that are leaving China chasing lower prices to Southeast Asia because the quality of life is rising in China. People are getting better at making clothes there. They're willing to charge more. The, the exchange rate's gone against us, against us the way we've done things. We haven't, we haven't changed. We've, we've increased our um, costs without passing too much of that along to uh-huh. the customer over the years. So we're, we're, not a, we're not really a cost-driven uh, manufacturer. We're a, we're, we're a quality-driven manufacturer. So yeah. It's it. Yeah, you know, I'm just wondering. Like you, you're saying that you're at the factory. You're helping unload the truck. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure that guests wouldn't be able to do that, or leave, or whoever makes their clothes. I don't know, Billabong or these mm-hmm. other huge brands. They're not going to be able to have someone like you, right, to oversee that. Well, and they they they've got systems and ranks and and mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of people who are working on a variety of different things. Yeah. Um. And I mean, when you get to the largest level, the highest level, and you really want to know exactly what's going on, you own the factory. So when you shop for clothing, do you concern 
yourself with is it like the way i eat do you concern yourself with where it comes from um sometimes yeah sometimes I, i'm usually more mostly quality sensitive mm-hmm. or if it's um absolutely outrageous right. if it's something flashy and fun you know they, they what am i getting it for uh-huh. right if i'm getting it to stand out then yeah i'll buy that you know, sequined bright orange neon hat, you know? <laughs> no, I was just, I was more asking like someone yeah. for someone who is of concern of the environmental yeah, yeah, yeah. and the working conditions. That's a good point. If yep. you are aware of like that part of the world where they make that, mm-hmm. it's highly likely that they're not taking as great a care as someone in another part of the world. Um, I've, uh, I've but stuck, it's, it's so hard. I've, there's so much, there's barely any transparency, isn't yep, it? That's true. But you don't, yeah. it says made in China. It doesn't say where. Correct. Um, unless you go to the, the company's website and then you tell them. I've, I've been in China in places where um, I have seen people take organic cotton labels off of a roll. Take take cotton label off of a roll, slap an organic cotton label on a roll, and had a notable brand buy that fabric. Wow. Yep. That's, huh. that's, that's messed up. Right? And so uh, if, uh, I have pretty high standards. I've been, I, okay. I, I, got, I get a lot of my clothes from Patagonia. Uh-huh. I think they're an amazing company. They do really, really great stuff. They make a really good quality product. They don't compromise on that ever. They have, a really, I think, a really great foundation for the company. You can criticize almost any organization for many different reasons, but that's one that I've chosen to stick behind just because I really like what they make. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got everything from sports to casual lifestyle apparel. You know, That's, that's actually a company that I often think about uh, emulating sometimes. I'd mm-hmm. love to be able to be have the size of they that and the impact that they have in in the outdoor industry while remaining true to their brand yeah oh yeah from so long ago yep it's in shed yeah. uh we've been talking at school uh this last few months about transparency in the food supply chain and it seems that it's almost seems easier to be able to have transparency in the food supply chain than the clothing supply chain mm-hmm. uh in that it's easier to tell which farm a pig came from or which farm a chicken came from than it is to know like you're saying that the organic cotton that's on these underpants is actually organic mm-hmm. cotton um maybe yeah yep i mean i i mean i can tell you where everything we make comes from and mm-hmm. if someone asks me i could say it it's there's a certain level of propriety information on on it as uh-huh. well um and likewise is a is a is a is a five-star chef going to divulge the ingredients huh. is he going to actually tell you there's mayo on that salmon you know <laughs> and that's why it tastes so bad it's the secret sauce <laughs> yeah right mayo um so no there there are companies that do a good job of divulging what's yeah. going on in the apparel industry i think it's it's definitely not as developed as food yeah yeah food is something that's it's visible it's right there you, you, it's it's putting it into your body not just yeah. on your body so it's yeah. a huge difference so but, i mean i'd like to hold up the same standards i, I mean yeah. i think it would be a good thing for it sounds like you're doing all you can to to do it in your what's in in your control uh, in in most cases yeah. I'm, yeah i i i like to think that we fight we're fighting the good fight yeah i don't think we're doing the best we can but we're doing we're trying to do better every day thanks for taking that detour into the clothing yeah. business in china <laughs> yeah. i've just always been really fascinated no. by it you yeah know? i mean and i get i tell you this is just my opinion to be honest all of this because mm-hmm. you talk to other people and they think about it very differently yeah people say you shouldn't manufacture in china period people say like oh no it's not that bad you know other other organizations have great systems to catch all this stuff it's mm-hmm. um i get excited to talk to other clothing people like this because we all have different opinions on how right. it works yeah i just it's the one that's the the way that we do it happens to align with our our values so you started this company you were running it out of your garage yep um, 
at what point did you go, okay, finance job, <laughs> I'm going to go try this, run my own clothing brand for a while. Uh-huh. When did you pull the trigger? Uh, to that early, early 2006. How long had the five, ult- <clears throat> five ultimate been going? Yep. That it's, it's, that's when it was. Yeah. No, we, we were running it out of the garage as I was quitting my, my moved from finance to healthcare consulting. Um, and that was a great gig. I was tons of fun, tons of travel within China, um, getting to interact with cool people. But, uh, my siblings are cooler than those, those cool people. And I want to work with them because I trust them. They trust me. You know, I can yell at them. They can yell at me <laughs> and, uh, it can be up till five in the morning and have it not be a big deal to get some project done and feel like that, that value is going into it. So it wasn't hard because it was my sport. Uh, it was my siblings and it was a, 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 a very niche opportunity at the beginning because there were not, there were not very well-developed ultimate frisbee companies. There were not very many choices for, for ultimate players. And there's still not many people who are in <clears throat> what looks like it could be quite a cozy career. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at the start of it, at the least, if I play my cards right, I might be able to, you know, play yep. this one out to the end Yep. to go, actually, no, I'm going to go and play frisbee for a while. <laughs> yeah, and, and not many people do that. Not many people pull that trigger. No, no, it, it was, it so what from, was it, man? What was it? I, Ah, man, it, uh, tons of it is working with my siblings. Yeah, uh, hands down. Like working with them, working with family is the way our relationship developed over our lifetime. Um, it's really hard to beat, and it really it was it was the alignment of sort of our passion, my passion and purpose, and what I see I could do with this. There's no way of knowing what what's going to happen, but what could happen. Like if we can build a brand that's going to put uh, put the identity of a sport in the mainstream, then I'm on board for that. Right. Yeah. I'll do that. I'll spend, I'll spend my, uh, all my waking and some of my sleeping hours working on that. It was your first, uh, company that you, you built? Yes. Yeah. So I'm guessing there was a few, uh, few moments where you stubbed your toe. So oh, yeah. to speak. Oh yeah. Um, in Chinese we would call it Xue Fei, which means your tuition. <laughs> 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 you know, I chose, I mean, I, I chose to, to sort of up and do it. And so that's what we just did. And we decided that we would try and do our best and we'd make some mistakes. And, you know, heck, we still make mistakes for sure. Um, there's a difference between perfection and excellence. And we don't strive for perfection. We strive for excellence. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it has not been a smooth sail the entire life. As any, as any entrepreneur, any startup, and, and I've, have, I've started a bunch of other companies as well. And some have been successful, some have been not. But it's, there's always ups and downs for sure. And it's, you know in the grand scheme of things, ups. So what do you learn about failure? What do you, what do you learn from those failures? Um, the first thing to do is not to let emotion get in the way of rationality. (laughs) Right. When you realize like, I, that was a $10,000 mistake. All right. Uh, can we save half of it (laughs) or uh, what's the implications of, you know, just cutting the, cutting the strings on this one or, um, should we spend another 5,000 to try and save the 10, you know, anything like that. Like, but thinking about it without being like getting angry, <laughs> hey, finding all these, these, these strings to pull back to ultimate where yes, it was a foul and maybe you bumped me and now my eyes swollen because it accidentally hit your elbow, but maybe it was your elbow that accidentally hit my eye. Let's talk about how to resolve the problem. Not let me just get in fisticuffs with you. Right. So a failure is a failure. And if you can, if you can learn from it, figure out how to do better with it. Great. Uh, hopefully it wasn't a hundred thousand dollar failure <laughs> or a 10. 
tens of hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars. But um, luckily, the, luckily, nothing's been big enough that it's put us out. Mm -hmm. You know, you seem to have been whatever path you're on. You seem to have chosen the right one because somewhere along the way your company got to a point like we have to get out of this garage in fact we're gonna to have to move premises now we're gonna to have to do it again yeah and again and again yeah and and have an office in in uh asia now and have an office in amsterdam and it's like it is it's kind of come out of a little bit out of necessity uh and it's finally we're finally a little bit waking up to the fact that now um actually we could plan this you know mm -hmm. we don't have to we don't have to move bigger when it's time to move bigger because we need to. How about we think about moving bigger before we have to move bigger? And the sport's growing. The sport's growing pretty quickly. Um, uh, people are getting more... The people who are into the sport are getting more into the sport. There's more. There's great media companies out there. There's one um, based in Belgium called Get Horizontal. They do a great job. They're, they're doing, like, linking the ultimate... Uh, the sport and ultimate the lifestyle. And they're putting that out there. And I think they're doing a great job. We work all sorts of stuff with them. There's companies that are doing great um, actual real-time broadcasting of the games, which has not been something that's been able to um, been done well in the past. I mean, you can watch your favorite, favorite cricket team mm -hmm. um, all the way maybe down to the second tier, third tier. You could probably find it online somewhere. At least you can find stats. Maybe you can. You can in soccer in Italy. You, you like can you watch second, City, City, you can City. second and third tier ultimate teams, full games online. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah. There's none of that. So I mean, if you're if you're in a tournament that's got the setup, but these 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 companies are trying to get it out there. Yeah. Um, and some and people are paying for the content too. So, um, people want the content. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I mean it's 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 becoming clear to us that as as we continue to grow. Um, it's, it's kind of the sky's the limit. You know, we can direct it. We have we have a hold on the players and the hold on the culture and a hold on the identity of the sport through the people we interact with. That's that's you could do a lot with that. You're in an interesting position because it's it's not like I don't know. It's not like Titleist. We're like you know what we're going to have to make golf more popular. Mm -hmm. Golf has always been popular. Mm -hmm. Titleist, they're you know, they're a golfing brand. Um, their challenge is always how do we make it better than those guys over there mm -hmm. or I don't know let's say for example Yonex they have to be like how do we make the best tennis racket it's not like how do we make tennis more popular mm -hmm. but you're in this really interesting situation where you are able to make the best gear for this sport but you're also like if we want to grow a market we're going to have to also participate in growing the sport yeah oh, and that's where that's that's where our passion lies I mean the, the reason we're in this is because we love the sport it's not because we're in it for for uh, you know, retirement money mm -hmm. or something like that. Right? Heck, if it works out that way, great. But if the sport gets huge, then we hopefully we'll be there alongside it. Mm. Um, there's a lot of different things that we do. A lot of different things. It's not just clothing for for ultimate players. Mm. Um, there's the lifestyle side of it. There's the uh, sort of what I guess you'd call it nonprofit side of it. But it's the philanthropic side of it. It's mm. you know getting getting discs. To uh, one of our classmates, Lena, is taking taking a bunch of discs to con conflict areas in Congo, hmm. and she's getting um, uh, uh, merchants on both sides of the of the border um, to play frisbee with each other. <laughs> so that in in theory, that just being able to play frisbee with each other will get them to be to get them sort of eye to eye, democratize the situation, and let them do business uh -huh. without having that be a conflict. Wow. Yeah. And so, I mean, heck, I'll, I'll give dozens of frisbees to that if, we know, if I know that's the outcome of it. 
And that's what, I mean, that's kind of what we've done um, over the history of our sport and even before we had the company too. So you also have a thing called ultimate peace where you, yep. you've had a game that involved Israel and Palestine. Yeah. That's a really, really special, special group of people that go over there and do that. It's not our organization, yeah. um, but we've been with them since, since the beginning um, as one of their supporters and they get uh, Israeli and Palestinian kids um, on the same teams against other teams of Israeli and Palestinian kids. They teach them the game, teach them the sport, teach them some of the skills and get them to play a day long tournament together. Huh. They do a couple camps. And so it's one, it's sports, getting people out and playing. That's hands down. Two, you get um, people whose parents are at each other's throats or whose fundamental philosophy. I, I don't feel the issues there, but I know the issues there. It's extreme in many cases. And if you've got these kids playing together and learning to call a foul and resolve the conflict in a nonviolent way huh. on the field, bam, there's world peace. You know, and that's just one small thing that they're doing there. And they've got a couple other projects other places, but it's, it's, it's ultimate and it's peace. It's ultimate peace. And I think they're doing a great job with that. So what's the most unlikely place you've found an ultimate scene in the world? Because you've traveled quite a bit. Oh boy. Um, we sponsored a tournament and this this is might be a little politically sensitive, but we sponsored a tournament in North Korea. Yeah. Um, and so I went to North Korea on a trip huh. to bring Ultimate there. Um, it's it, it, that's probably the most unlikely place. How do you even get to North Korea? <laughs> well, uh, it, I'll make sure the North Koreans aren't listening. But we told them it was a Canadian sport, not an American sport. That was one. Um, Am I going to have to edit this out? Uh, you tell me. <laughs> well, if you don't no. want me to say it. No, 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 no. It was, it was, uh, uh, it was a celebration of between uh, two great nations or international players or friends from all over the world coming to North Korea. And um, we played a tournament in a park, in a beautiful, beautiful setting. Um, and we got to see some of the country at the same time. We got to go to a school. They were giving us a tour of a school and sort of showed us some of the children's skills. So they had someone get up and do an accordion piece. And um, these three boys did sort of a sort of a kung fu style dance piece. And uh, in trade, we decided we would show them our skills. And so we got slowly but surely kind of coaxed them out into the little playground area, this little dirt patch, really. Um, outside the school and slowly got them to throw frisbees back and forth with us. And then smiles started happening, people yelling and screaming and the administrators were not sure whether to stop us or not. And at a certain point they were like, it's time to go, you know, get out of here. Um, and, uh, that it was clear that they, they saw the boundary we had crossed it and they were trying to find a way to get us to come back. Huh. Um, it, it, it was interesting. It was fascinating. It was bizarre. Um, it was also just normal people having fun throwing a Frisbee around. And so it's like, there's, there's never did I feel any animosity personally there on any level. Obviously there's regime conflicts and a, a regime situation going on, but yeah, the people were nice. Uh, they were friendly. They were cooperative. Um, <clears throat> and that was, that was pretty bizarre. Yep. <laughs> how do you even go, how do you go about getting a visa to get there? Uh, you can't, you gotta go through China. What was the food like in North Korea? Um, well, the, you're only as as foreigners, you're only allowed to go certain places. So we had pizza one night. Um, we had Korean barbecue one night, which is you know mm. North Korea, South Korea. It's very similar, um, at least uh, historically similar food. Um, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't good or bad. It wasn't yeah. weird or 
strange. Still, you went to North Korea and played a game of Ultimate. Yeah. It's it pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. That was pretty amazing. Uh, but I mean, the Frisbees fly across everywhere, all over the world. Yeah. Uh, there's a team in Kenya that I'm sending, sending Gautam to check out. There's South Africa's got some programs. Uh-huh. Huge following in the Philippines. Right. Oh, man. Derek Ramsey, that hot hunk of meat. <laughs> He's a popular, uh, popular, very popular uh, TV star model, um, and he plays ultimate, and um, it's attracted a whole bunch of attention to the sport there. And they've got all sorts of teams and leagues and around the Philippines. There's, a, I think, one of the better um, beach ultimate teams in the world is the Boracay Dragons um, from Boracay, the island, and they're out there every day practicing on the beach. That's because because that's what they do, and then they come to the states and they sweep tournaments against Just imagine how against teams that that have been practicing and like they think they're really good. <laughs> the right, Dragons right. kind of roll in. They're like casual, really fast on the sand Philippine kids. I wonder how the world would be different if in Top Gun instead of playing volleyball they played ultimate. Ooh, that'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, ultimate players typically know like movie they whenever there's a frisbee flying in the background of a movie like oh harry met sally remember that one scene on the quad and the rocking across there's a disc in that one <laughs> you gotta keep track of it you see it it's like it's if you're a player you're attracted to the same type of things yeah nope. um if people are interested i said it before uh afda.com in australia or in the states usaultimate.org um We've been talking for a while now, so we'll get slightly towards the end. But I do want to ask, what have you learned? Because I've got three brothers, and it's only in adulthood that we are kind of close. It took us a lot of work, but I love them, and we love each other now, and it's 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 awesome. I don't know if we'd ever go into business together. Mm. That might be tricky. Yeah. What have you learned about working with your family? <laughs> uh, it's 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 great. It's amazing. But it's also really frustrating sometimes, for sure. There's that when you, someone gives you advice, like what are what are you looking for in a co-founder? Well, someone um, someone who I can trust, someone who uh, I know has my back, someone who um, I'm I'm not afraid to criticize, um, someone who sort of understands the way I work, someone who can give me feedback and I can build with, someone with multiple talents and multiple skills that balance mine. Um, I just named my my four younger siblings right there. <laughs> there's there's five of us. Um, and I'd, I'd never thought about this before, and this is, it's unfair to say it this way, but we named the company Five Ultimate. And so if anyone of us is going to not be into it, like, how can you not be into Five Ultimate? You're in the name, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can't, uh, we've never had any trouble with it, to be honest. Like, we all respect each other's boundaries. We all respect each other's, like, you know, I, yeah, I did that wrong. Um, I'll do it better next time. Uh-huh. And, and you strive to do it better next time because you're, siblings are counting on you yeah you know it's love love's at the bottom oh, that's of it. pretty great that you do get that yeah. opportunity that's 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 pretty lovely it's it's rare that you hear of such a, a family business let alone a wind-powered family business yeah right yeah <laughs> yeah seattle seattle hq fully wind-powered i love it man yep i'm gonna get it back up gotta get back to Seattle. i had a really good vegan hot dog in seattle one time that's that's a thing yeah. they're everywhere all right yeah i thought i'd found the Oh, holy grail of vegan! You hot found dogs. the holy grail on that street corner of vegan hot dogs. Right, <laughs> two blocks down, there's another one. I really enjoyed it. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Um, all right. Last question: If people are listening to this and they're like, you know what, I might not be in a finance job in China, but whatever I'm doing isn't ticking my clock. What would you say to people who are thinking of starting their own thing? Mm. Do it <laughs> for sure. Uh, it takes takes some guts. The first step's always the scariest, 
Um, never forget that there are people around you that you can use as resources. When you go out on your own as an entrepreneur or to start a new business, that doesn't mean you're on your own. It means you're doing something not within the constructs of a, con of a, of a corporation or another organization, um, but it doesn't mean you lose all your friends, you lose all your contacts, you lose all your advice from mentors or anything like that. Um, you can be an entrepreneur and very well supported from people around you. So um, find that thing that does make you tick, chase it, make sure someone will pay for it. You know, in most cases, if you're looking for a, a something that'll, you know, keep the lights on. Um, and yeah, just freaking go for it, man. <laughs> Gotta start somewhere. I mean, I, I sincerely think this world needs more solutions. We get more problems, problems every day. There's plenty of problems out there. I think the world needs more solutions. More conflict resolution by the players on the field, it sounds. Yeah, more of that. That's, that's, yep. that's amazing. And you can look good while you're doing it too. You, yeah, my word. <laughs> the greatest? Yeah. That's the, that's the move? Yeah, jump out there. Grab a greatest. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Zalem. Yeah. I'm going to take your photo. Cheers. Okay, cool. That was Zalen Titcomb. Uh, you can find out more about his stuff uh, looking up his companies, Five Ultimate and Five Bamboo. I'm stoked Zalen got to be on the show today. I'm stoked that I got to share that story of... Uh, how you find your way to North Korea. It's pretty awesome. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Thanks to very, very much to everybody that supported the show through the Patreon page, patreon.com slash osher is how you can support the show. Now, if you pledge some money towards the production costs of the show, then uh, you get access to some exclusive episodes that only you get to listen to. These shows are free to listen to, but they're not free to make. So I'm super grateful for all the people that have supported so far and have felt that this is worth their hard-earned money to give back to I, I swear to you man i'm so stoked i couldn't be more more humbled that you've uh you've you've helped out so this week um uh what i would say to do if if you're having a a, a a tricky day go for a walk do some air squats hold a plank for a couple of minutes get your body to release those secret chemicals that are stashed away inside they're there they're there they're waiting to get they're waiting to flush out you just got to find a way to do it um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. Take care of yourself this week. Until I talk to you next time, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.